The reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 19. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 19. That can be found on page 1063 in the Bibles in the pew in front of you. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called, today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with him was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope we can be an encouragement to you. We're expecting a lot of guests this week. Uh, it's vacation Bible school time, and we're thankful for that. It's an exciting time. If you have not yet registered your child, your grandchild, your neighbor, uh, just be here at 8.30 in the morning, and you can jump in the registration tables there and get that taken care of. If there's still a child you've been meaning to invite, go this afternoon and invite them and let them be a part of this wonderful, wonderful time. If you walked in the north end of the foyer, you already noticed that there's been a lot of work that's been put in. This is just what we see ahead of the scenes. Here's some of the workers. And then we see on this north end of the foyer what we'll study this week. We'll be studying about Christ and him walking on the water, about healing the paralytic, him dying on the cross, and his resurrection. Now let that sink in. There'll be 350 guests children that have already pre-registered that we're going to get the opportunity to talk with them about Jesus all week long. We're going to get to love on them and let them see what it's like to be in a place where they are greatly and deeply loved. Tonight, to kick off this, if you will, we're going to have Kona ice instead of our ice cream supper. We appreciate John Michael's generosity in helping make this possible. And so our rear parking area will become a part of fellowship, an area of fellowship tonight. So uh, plan on staying afterwards and you can get whatever flavor you'd like and we will enjoy that time visiting together and thinking about Vacation Bible School the very next morning. If you normally park in the asphalt parking lot in the rear, uh, please make a mental note of that, that maybe you want to park at the 2040 building. If you arrive early, uh, maybe go ahead and park at a long distance so anyone, and especially guests that would be with us tonight, uh, when it does get closer to time to start, that there would hopefully be some parking spaces left closer to the building. Uh, but help us out in any way that you can so that we will be a hospitable congregation tonight to those that might join us. Do keep in mind that the mayor retreat will be this coming Friday night and Saturday morning. And so register for that at the Info Central if you've not yet. Also, I've been asked to mention to you about our homecoming, which is in August. The Sunday will be August the 14th. 
We are going to have in the third floor area of the education department will be rooms to showcase our history and to show what God has done through the years. We need anything that you might have that pertains to the past in this congregation. You might have letters, you might have bulletins, you might have photographs, you may have newspaper articles, whatever it is that, that you might have. You might even have pieces uh, of objects that, that some way you've gathered through the years if you could let us know, and on this next slide, let Jason Haley know about that. Here's his phone number. Also, if you would want to email him, he set up this account for this purpose, mjchomecominghistory at gmail.com. Several years ago, when we had a big homecoming, someone said, matter of fact, thanks to Sissy Pickler, she said, you know, I know where one of our old original windows are from the block building. And so she was able to borrow that for us to display and then the individual ended up donating it to us. So you may not have something that goes back that far, but, but if you have anything that you think would be interesting, we, our dream, our hope is to set up four or five rooms up there uh, that would just tell the story over the 125 years. And, uh, and so be helpful in that any way that you can to help Jason and that crew out that's working with that. And let us say also a big happy Father's Day. Uh, to all of you that are fathers, we love you and appreciate you. Many of us have been blessed richly by good fathers, fathers that have sacrificed, they've led us, they've guided us, they've protected us. And we can say no doubt our life is much, much better because of those fathers in our life. The wonderful thing is that everybody here can have a father like that because the heavenly father wants to adopt us into his family and we can be children of his. Today, we're not going to have a lesson where the whole emphasis is upon fathers. Although this text, I've been kind of working it around to make sure that this was the text for this morning because it would have been very, very easily to do that with this text. But I think you'll be understanding of this. And fathers, I hope you won't think I slighted you. I didn't want to take away from the study that we've had now. Uh, we're on our second month where we've looked at what it means to be covenant people. And that one of the things that God does in covenants is that his, his covenant leads us to a brighter future. And as a part of his covenant people, he is leading us to rest. There is an ultimate eternal rest that's just amazing. But even being a follower of Jesus Christ, we enjoy a portion of that rest even now. And so a little bit later on in this lesson, when we get to the part about the 12 spies and we see their influence of leadership, you realize how appropriate it would be to, to spend the whole time using that to talk to fathers. What kind of influence are you having upon your children? Because oftentimes, followers follow leaders. And we see that was a huge problem whenever the followers followed poor or evil leadership. But that will not be our, our narrow focus. The broader focus will come out of Hebrews, the third chapter. Oftentimes, I begin by using a secular story, something out of history, something out of the news. I'm telling you this morning, I'm going to use a biblical story. And the reason I'm telling you that ahead of time is I don't want to confuse you. Because when I start talking about Paul in Acts 27, you're going to be like, wait, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about Hebrews 3 or Numbers 13 and 14. We are. 
but I just want to use a biblical illustration to get your mind churning. This morning, if I ask you, do you believe in God? Most people in this audience would say, I believe in God. Now, if you don't, we're glad you're here. We really are. And, and we hope that we could do something to help you learn about God. But most here would say, I believe in God. But now let me ask you a second question. Do you believe God? There is a huge difference in believing in God and believing God. Let me give you an example. In Acts the 27th chapter, Paul was on a ship and it had been dark for 14 days and nights, so much so that they couldn't see the sun to know if they were going east or west. They couldn't see the stars at night. They couldn't see any land to have any kind of bearings of where they might be. The 20th verse tells us that everyone had given up all hope that they would live. They had pulled their sails down and they were letting the storm drive them. They had put cables around their boat just hoping that they would hold the boat together during the storm. They had begun to throw tackle overboard, cargo overboard, and finally by verse 20, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what we do, there's not anybody going to be alive when this storm is over. But God sent an angel and talked to Paul that night. And he told him that they were going to live. So now out of 276 people on that boat, 275 were convinced that they would die. If you were in a 14-day storm like that, you and I would have believed that too. But now there's only one who believes they're going to live. Do you remember how Paul announced that to them? Everybody just knows they're going to die because they're experiencing the storm. Do you remember how he announced it? Acts the 27th chapter, this is what Paul says in verse 25. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God. Let that sink in. I know our eyes are saying that this storm is going to destroy us. I know what we have experienced has been painful living in this storm for two weeks. I know everything around us says we're going to die. I want to tell you why we're not going to die. Paul, are you out of your mind? What do you mean we're not going to die? I believe God. What does it mean to believe God? Notice the rest of this. That it will be just as it was told to me. In other words, he says, God has spoken and I believe him. God says we're not going to die. I believe God. This morning, it's real easy to claim a belief in God, but it's a lot tougher to claim and to live the fact, I believe God. Hebrews, the third and fourth chapter, we read about rest. We read about this rest that can only come through Christ. We read about this rest that is the difference in belief or we lose it if we live a life of unbelief. Not just if we believe in God, it is a belief of God. Do you believe what God says? Last week we looked at the fact that in Hebrews the third chapter and verse one, we were told to consider Christ. He was a high priest. He was an apostle. He was greater than Moses. In verse six, we were told that we need to consider our own faith. And he says some powerful things we'll look at in just a moment about that. But then when we skip down to verse 12, we see that we are also to consider the other reality. And that is 
It's possible to become an unbeliever. By the way, verse one, he's talking to the holy brethren. And so he's telling the holy brethren that presently believe it's very possible to become an unbeliever. And so in the very next verse, in verse 13, he also urges us to consider one another. So we consider Christ, we consider our faith, we consider the fact that it's a potential that we can become an unbeliever. And because of that, we consider others and we exhort them daily. I hope you've done that this week. That was our homework assignment, not for me. That's the homework assignment that God gives us every day of our life as a believer, that we're going to exhort other people daily because of the potential of unbelief. Now, with that in mind, I'd like for you to notice verse six. We're gonna drop back now and, and we're gonna look in just a moment, the rest of this lesson, at that illustration that he uses after verse six. We studied verse six last week. So I'm gonna mention this quickly, get our minds churning just so we appreciate the context of what we're studying today. And so when he says, consider your own faith, how does he say this? We see here in Hebrews three and verse six, he says, but Christ as a son over his own house, remember Moses was a servant in the house and it was God's house. And so Jesus was the son of the house and we all are invited into the house. Happy Father's day. We all can be children of God. We all can be a part of the family of God and we can do this, but it's conditional. There's the big if there. If we do what? If we hold fast, that's to take possession of, the confidence, that's a frankness, that's a boldness, that's a bluntness, and the rejoicing, remember, that's not just an emotion there, that is, hey, what do you glory in? What do you brag about? What, what, is, what is the rejoicing in your life? And notice here, it's the rejoicing of the hope. And remember, hope is the expectation that God will do what he says he'll do. Wait a minute, now I see why we began this morning the way we did. Do you believe God? You see, the hope has no significance if we don't believe God. If God gives us promises and we say, well, I just don't see how God can keep his promises. I, I see the storm. I don't, I don't think God can do it. Or what we're going to study in a few minutes. I see the giants. I don't think God can do it. That's what belief is all about. I'd like for you to notice here that he says firm to the end. Now, do you notice something else? The reason I put these at the bottom of, of this slide is I want to draw attention to, you see how each one has the article the in front of it. The makes something very specific. It is a, it's speaking of a particular thing. You see, it's not just any confidence because you and I should not have a frankness or a boldness that's based upon ourself. That would be pride and arrogance that would be sinful. And so when, when we, if you will, just move forward as if something is absolute and somebody overhears an unbeliever and says, how can they be so confident? Well, the confidence isn't in their self. The confidence is in the fact of the hope, not just any hope. The hope, that is the expectation that God keeps his promises. And so because of that, we can rejoice. Oh, I can be blunt. I can move forward, if you will, with a frankness. I can be confident. Why? Because I glory in what God says. Every one of us knows that Saturday took place yesterday. Just as certain as you know that Saturday took place yesterday, God knows the future with even more certainty. That's powerful. Do you know that God holds the future and his promises 
are such that we can place expectations that he keeps his promises. Hope. I'll glory in that. I'll boast in that. And it'll look like confidence because I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in God. What's the mark? What's the duration of this? Firm, stable, not blown by situations, storms, false doctrine. Stable, firm. How long? To the end. Now that is as positive and as powerful as any short teaching in the scripture. And I would guess if I were the one writing this, I would expect the very next verse to be some kind of powerful, positive illustration. God in his wisdom doesn't do that. God lays out that positive, powerful teaching and in, in his wisdom, he says, let me remind you. Let me remind you of a time where a group of people had every reason to trust God and they became unbelievers. We don't have this on, on the slide, but if, if you want to, and you're still open there to Hebrews 3, I want to read verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. And then we're going to drop back and we're going to look at the historical account of this out of Numbers 13 and 14. So he's laid out this beautiful, powerful teaching in verse six. And then he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and the reason he says the Holy Spirit says, because he's actually quoting from the psalmist in Psalm 95, which I wish and hope sometime we could draw some attention to that. This particular teaching that we're studying this morning is mentioned over and over and over in scripture. It's elaborated upon in Deuteronomy 8. It's elaborated upon in Psalm 78. It's elaborated upon in Psalm 95. Really, Hebrews 3 and 4, in a sense, it kind of built around this concept of, look at Israel. Don't be like them. And, and so here's what he says about it, quoting Psalm 95. But he's talking about what we read about in Numbers 13 and 14. Today, if you'll hear his voice, see, that's what ultimately believing God is. Do you believe God? Do you hear his voice? Do you believe him? Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. That's when you don't believe God. In the day of the trial of the wilderness, this is an example of it. For your fathers tested me and tried me and they saw my works 40 years. If you've been here all year and you don't know what that phrase means, I would be very disappointed. You know what he's talking about there? He's saying, have you seen the marvels that I have done and you're still not gonna believe me? That's why God was angry. That's why he was shocked. Verse 10, therefore I was angry with that generation. I said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. With that in mind, let's study now about the day the hope of rest was lost. The day the hope of rest was lost. Hope, God's expectation, or God's promises, I'll, I'll lead you to the Canaan's land. I'll give you a land of rest. What happened in the day that individuals said, I don't believe God. I know what he promises, but I just don't believe it. The children of Israel left Egypt after God sent marvels, 10 plagues. And then when they were finally led out of Egypt, they were trapped between the Red Sea and pursuing Egyptians. 
One of the most marvelous works that God did, at least the way it's repeated over and over and over in scripture, was he parted the Red Sea. And they didn't walk across on murky, muddy land. They walked across on dry land and God allowed the waters to collapse to kill the Egyptian soldiers that were there. Over the next three months, God would provide them water out of rocks. That's a marvel. God would provide them bread, manna from heaven. That's a marvel. And perhaps one of the greatest marvels of all is that God himself showed up in their presence at Mount Sinai and he spoke the Ten Commandments and through Moses he gave them the Book of the Covenants and then after that he gave them all of the pattern of the tabernacle. For the next two years they stayed encamped around Sinai fulfilling the fulfillment of the Levitical priesthood as well as building the tabernacle. After the two years was complete and the tabernacle was complete, they began their journey now onto what land? The promised land. Because they expected God to keep his promises. And so they, they moved as far as Kadesh. But, but then when they got there, Moses called for each of the 12 tribes to select one man that would be a leader. Are you listening, fathers? Elders, deacons, any men with influence? Are you listening? Let's select leaders. Let's just get 12 of them. And let's send them out and let them spy out this land so that we know what we are facing. If you have your Bible open, you see there in Numbers, the 13th chapter, in verse 2, they were to take everyone a leader from among them. And when we drop down to the 23rd verse, we see that as they went out, they were to scope out the cities, the people, the land, and come back and give a report. Well, to be able to show how rich and fertile the land was, we read in 23, then they came to the valley of Eshcol, and they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and the figs. Now, you know, artistic rendering sometime will show this, this cluster of grapes like on, on the men's shoulders, a, a pole, and, and that cluster of grapes going all the way down. I, I don't know. Other, other artistic renderings show guys holding to a pole and, and, you know, they have their arm down and the cluster of grape is like from waist down. It doesn't matter, does it? That's, that's amazing. That's huge. And so, I, you know, I was doing a little research on this, like how big do you think those cluster grapes were? And you probably not known, but there was actual photographs. Here, here's an actual, that's, that's what, well, I don't know. It might, maybe that's not actual photograph. But the fact is, they came back and they came back and they were able to show the pomegranates and they were able to show the figs and they were able to show the, the, the grapes and, and the fruit was so impressive that it was supposed to be a statement to say, look at this land. This, this place is amazing. But they also gave more to the report. Let's read verse 27. They told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Imagine them holding up the pomegranates. Imagine them holding up this cluster of grapes. Look, this, this is amazing. It's a, it's a, it is a land of milk and honey. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, you know, anytime you're addressing an audience and what is being said 
is greatly affecting their lives. You imagine, you imagine the mothers of, of sons that, that would have been 25 and 30 years old. And what, what would you mothers be thinking if it was your sons going up against that? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Can you imagine the murmuring that would start? They're, they're going to send our boys. They're going to send our boys into fortified cities. They're going to send our boys into cities, ain't it? Can you imagine how the murmuring starts? Can you imagine how some of the men, hey, we haven't been trained. We, we've, been, we've been slaves for several years. They, these, these guys are going to have artillery. They're going to have training. What, what are we? And you can imagine, you can imagine all the talk, all the talk. And now imagine Caleb. As we read verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Can you imagine how long did that take? Please be quiet. Please be quiet. Now what's, what's Caleb going to say? Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Remember what Hebrews, the third chapter, verse six. Remember I talked about confidence. And when he says we are able, he knew and every one of them knew that you leave God out of the equation. There was not any of them that were able to take possession of that land. When he spoke of we, he spoke of the promises of God. He knew that God would keep his promises. And so when you look at Caleb and you say, well, that guy was pretty confident. That's why the Hebrew writer uses this story as an example. Because Joshua and Caleb, when they spoke, they spoke holding fast confidence. When they spoke, they were rejoicing in the hope. And they were firm to that even when their eyes had seen horrific sights like fortified cities and giants and powerful people. But notice what the bad leaders did. Fathers, elders, deacons, anybody of influence. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Now, when he was saying we, I guess we could assume one of two things. He was either completely leaving God out of the equation or he didn't believe God was powerful anymore. In settings like this, it can be really easy to say, not only do I believe in God, but I believe God. But when we find ourselves having to make a huge decision, sometimes it's real easy to start making that decision based only on us and not on us and God. Sometimes when we start experiencing a storm in life, it's real easy for us to make decisions based only on the horizontal and not on the vertical. Sometimes when we read doctrine in scripture and it seems like no other religious people believe this doctrine and it doesn't really make complete sense to my eyes either, well then who are we going to believe? The people in a sense were in a dilemma because they have two reports that are varying tremendously. Let us go up at once, we are able. <laughs> we are not gonna go up, we are not able. So what about the followers? 
Read with me, if you will, in verse, the 14th chapter in verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in this wilderness. When we stop believing God, there are two things that are usually going to happen eventually. One is we want to bring in undue sorrow into our lives. Are you listening? This should have been a night that the 12 spies came back and reported and they heard about the great land and this should have been a night of celebration. This should have been a night where the whole congregation was saying, we're about to go home. Look at the land God has given us. Look how great it's going to be. It's going to be amazing what God is going to provide. But instead, it was a night full of wailing and weeping. And what happens whenever we stop believing God? Not only do we experience undue sorrow, but we usually start complaining. And so they wanted additional leadership. And the leadership that they wanted, look into the 14th chapter in verse four. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Moses and Aaron were leaders that was going to lead them into the promises of God. These 10 spies were leaders that was going to lead them away from the promises of God. And who were the people going to follow? This reminds me of 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, where Paul, very late in his life, writes to Timothy, the young preacher, and tells him to preach the word. And then a few verses down, he tells him that there's going to come a time that individuals will have tickling ears and they will not accept the sound doctrine. In other words, there's a time where if you're going to lead people to believe God, whatever God says, whatever doctrine he gives, that's where we're going to walk. And there will perhaps always be people that will say, we don't want to walk in that direction. And isn't it sad that this was one of those occasions? One of those occasions where, in other words, they were saying, we are not going to follow Moses. We're not going to follow Aaron because of where they are leading us. They're leading us toward the promises of God. We want new leadership. What a shame that is and how easy it is to get sidetracked and into that situation. But in the 14th chapter and verse 9, Joshua speaks up again. Remember, only he and Caleb were the, the positive, faithful spies. And he says, only do not rebel. Notice that strong word. Do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Remember the covenant that he made with them? We studied this back several weeks ago. Remember in Exodus 22nd chapter, one of the things they said about the covenant is he says, God says to them in this, your enemies have become my enemies. Your adversaries have become my adversaries. That's exactly what Joshua is saying here. He's saying, don't you remember the covenant God's made? Let's move forward. You see all the, the possessions those people have. You see the vineyards they have. 
Those are actually our vineyards. God's going to give them to us. You see those people that look so strong? The one we follow is stronger than them. God's going to give us that land of rest. And so in the 14th chapter, I'd like to just scan a couple of things and show you because time's sake, we've just got to move here. Notice what happened to those that were unbelievers. Notice those who were believers. In the 14th chapter and 29, those that complained, that were 20 years and older, they died in the wilderness. Those that were 19 and younger, their lives were preserved. And then later, after the book of Deuteronomy, they entered into the land of rest, but it was 40 years later. When we go to the 14th chapter, verse 34, see the wilderness wandering? They wandered one year for every day the spies were in Canaan. In 37, we see that the unbelieving spies, they died. God sent a plague to them. And in verse 30, we see that Joshua and Caleb lived. That is a quick flyover of the illustration out of Hebrews. So he tells us how to live, Hebrews 3 and verse 6. He gives this illustration and it's closing, not to elaborate, I want to read two sentences that follow this illustration in Hebrews the third chapter, if you will, read with me. This is the very next line. I want you to notice, one sentence he's gonna say beware, the next sentence he's gonna say be a partaker with, okay? So here's the warning, after he gives that, he says, third chapter, verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called a day, lest any of you harden, be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, beware. Beware for yourself, beware for your brethren. But now notice the partaker, the very next verse, look at 14 and 15. For we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence, notice this, we're back to holding, and the beginning of our confidence is the hope that God gives us, and we're confident in that, steadfast, how long? To the end, while it is said, he goes back to that quote out of Psalm 95, today, if you will hear his voice, what is hearing his voice? That's believing him. Do not harden your hearts as in your rebellion. And so in Psalm the 78th chapter, this is, Psalm 78 is long. If you're not familiar with it, Based on what we're studying, you might enjoy studying that this week. And he talks about the movements of the children of Israel. And he talks about them being delivered on dry land. He talks about them having manna provided. He even talks about that quail were blown in. God blew them in by the winds and they had meat. He talks about providing water. And then in Psalm 78, notice what he says in 32. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. And that word wondrous, that's the word Paula that's often translated marvelous or marvels, miracles. Do you see what he's saying right there in Psalm 78 about the story we studied today? He's saying, isn't it amazing? I showed them my power and they still were unbelievers. Fathers, when you see the marvelous power of God, in your mind's eye, look up and see God. Believe God. Help your children not only see the marvels of God, but help them see God. 
He is trustworthy. We can believe his promises. And when storms blow, when false doctrines are taught, and, and when, when things just seem contrary to our eyes, do we believe God? And let's all, let's all have a strong conviction in our life that we want to say, yes, I believe in God. And I believe God. This morning, is there anything we can do to help you take steps closer to God? Do you believe in God? Do you believe God? If you've never become a Christian and you know what God expects of you, we would love to assist you this morning to be baptized into Christ. Maybe become a Christian and, and maybe your sins has hardened your heart. And you're ready this morning to come back with a soft heart. And you're ready to confess sin and pray forgiveness. Maybe you're here and you don't really know what you need to do. Would you talk with us after service or even come down in, in, in the invitation song that we're about to sing? But let's all, let's 